0: Steps into it. Pass
1: is caught! Digs Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! What's happening? My name is Andrew White and I am alongside the jelly fam Justin Ellis, the slickest of slats, K-Slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marshman Andrew Marshall. We're back again January 5th recording the dogs won the semifinals in college football. That's all that matters to me, but either way, Kevin, how are you
0: doing? Well, white, you know, everybody seems like today had their own issues with traffic um, overall, but I mean, you know, in my jam jams uh, showered early, you know, still looking, you know, because of a job opportunity sweated a little bit today doing some manual stuff, but overall, you know, cold day uh in the burbs out here outside of New York, but decent day overall for me.
1: Love it, Justin. How are you this evening?
2: You know, I got into a bit of car trouble yet again. I had the same kind of car issues the other day we were talking on the show. And once again, you know, not a dead battery this time. Was it wasn't my fault? Some guy wanted to take a nice chunk out of my butt this morning, so... Marshall put it in better terms in our text chat. Um, but, you know, we're, we're hanging in there. We're doing our best. I, I'm making the best out of a bad situation.
1: All right. Yeah, we're definitely not going to get right into that right away again. But, yes, we are very happy that Justin is uh, both okay and with us. Anyway, Marshall, how are you today?
3: I'm good, guys. Yeah, as we mentioned, uh, there's uh, one way you can positively spin, uh, spin Justin's little accident.
1: And uh, we'll leave it at that. But good to be here, my boys. Of course. As always, now we will get right into the action. Big Ben is most likely gone. There was a whole farewell for him the other night, this being two nights ago at Heinz Field. Uh, Big big guy to remember in the Steelers' world. Uh, Gave them two Super Bowls as well as... Um, many of runs in that playoff series a whole bunch of times. So, but his time has come to an end. Um, maybe it should have two or three years ago. But we've had those discussions about it. So this is more of a a a, our best memory of Big Ben. And I will start as the Steelers fan of the group, and mine is the throw to Santonio San Holmes in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals. I know it's not necessarily his doing, Ben Roethlisberger, but that play will forever be ingrained in my head as a Steelers fan, uh, as well as the the fake spike to, uh, to Antonio Brown. But those are my two favorite ones. I uh, love big Ben, at least as a player up until recently, but he's done a lot for the Steelers. So uh, proud of him and hopefully his life goes well in the future. Kevin, your favorite memory of Ben Roethlisberger.
0: My favorite memory would probably be in recent years the I want to say it was the 2015 wild card game that the Steelers had against the Bengals in Cincinnati. That game for me epitomized like AFC North football, ground and pound, vicious game. You had assistant coaches like tripping players on the sidelines. You had Vontaze Burfict lower shoulder and Antonio Brown. Ben played well. Ben had a touchdown. Um, I think it was like 18 for 34 completion, but a gritty performance by him performed well down the stretch to lead um the Steelers into Cincinnati territory after Jeremy Hill fumbled Boswell kicks a field goal but for me even though neither team would go on to win you know the Super Bowl or anything like that that was a memorable game because it was gritty there was disdain from both teams and he kind of too reminds you of i guess you could say like a closure of this chapter of like AFC North football of like Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, um, you know, Ed Reed, like those are, that's Baltimore. But I mean, in terms of like the players, like the Troy Palomalu era, like he's kind of like the last holdover from that era of football. So it brought back a lot of those memories for me seeing him walk off the field.
1: Uh, Justin, uh, I guess I I realize it's remember most about big Ben. So if it's not a, a favorite memory, you could also say that, but uh, Justin, your take.
2: You know, uh, besides watching him get injured countless times in what could be considered one of the biggest injury reels in history, um, you know, I, Andrew, I think you stole mine. I got to be honest with you. The first Super Bowl that I remember outside of the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl back in 2004 is watching that Steelers-Cardinals Super Bowl. Um, I remember watching it at my friend Cal Jacobs' house. Um, no, He's probably not listening to this show. I'm sure <laughs> – Only my family would remember this. Um, But I remember watching at their house. I remember playing Nerf guns with him the entire time. I remember watching the James Harrison pick six end zone to end zone. Oh, yeah. Um, And the Santonio Holmes catch. I mean, it was a great Super Bowl, and there's a reason why I remember it so well. So uh, there's not any real Big Ben moment that's bigger than that, in my opinion.
3: Marshall? A lot of things. I would say the second Super Bowl, first of all, it was one of the first true game-winning drives. Um, where it was pretty much do or die, and he came through. Uh, the other game was the uh, divisional playoff game in 2017, technically 2018, against the against the Jacksonville Jaguars, where they lost 50 or they lost 45-42. But um, he's 37 of 58 for 469 yards, five touchdowns, and a pick. And that's when they had the you know the the killer bees in full force, and they were down most of that game. And that I think that game kind of just a, epitomizes Ben. When you need him to literally throw it 60 times, uh, he is able to actually do that. And even though they didn't come out on top, I, I I think that is like a classic Ben Roethlisberger game. Um, He's a unicorn in the way that he's just so physically, you know, he, he is one of one in the sense that he is probably the biggest quarterback in NFL history, not looking at a box score, because this guy is way, way fatter and way heavier than uh, his 240-pound uh, listed weight would say uh i mean bill belichick was asked about that and just started laughing in a press conference one once so so people who play the game know that this guy is like probably 290 pounds he's he's legitimately a huge human being um and for a while you couldn't blitz someone below like uh anyone like the size of a pretty big linebacker because they wouldn't actually be able to take him down so he's one of one um i mean guys like emmanuel sanders like The one thing with Ben is, like, with the two Super Bowls and how many Pro Bowls and all the passing stuff with him, um, he still leaves you wanting more in the sense that we don't know these guys. Um, I think that we can kind of infer things about them by what they do in the public eye um, and what guys say about them to an extent, even though you don't really know the guy. Um, Guys like Emmanuel Sanders have questioned Um, obviously like AB as well. But, you know, when a guy like Emmanuel Sanders like really questions a lot about Ben and his work ethic and his leadership, um, it almost adds to the legacy in the sense that this was a guy who wasn't practicing most of the week. You know, Troy Aitman dropped that bomb uh, that he was basically taking like three days off of practice, which is nuts for him to basically just be able to go out and actually be an NFL quarterback and not really practice. But that's who he was. Like Brett Favre, he was a gunslinger, rolled out, pretty much roll the balls out and he just played. And I don't even think he fully knew why he was so great, but he just was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's uh good in a lot of ways and a lot of facets. Well said. Okay. Antonio Brown. What will we remember most about him now the with context? This may not be as uh, uh, I, I guess, happy of, of a discussion maybe, but either way, if you missed it Sunday, Antonio Brown uh, took off all of his uh, jerseys. I'm not going to say clothes. His his jersey was off. His shoulder pads were off, gloves off, Through it on the bench, as well as the stands in the middle of the game against the Jets, and straight up just left in the third quarter. Uh, Mike Evans was trying to talk him out of it, and there there was a discrepancy about how much he wanted to be playing and wasn't playing and stuff like that, but he just left. And so that's how we believe his career is over um that's kind of why we're talking about this discussion so what will you remember most about Antonio Brown if indeed his career is over I will start off start off by saying it's sad in the sense that my favorite memory of Antonio Brown is the playoffs in 2015 against the Ravens when he caught a 60-yard pass against his helmet to, to put them in the lead and also his punt returns and all that but when I look at this and I really think about what I'm going to remember most, and I actually think it's going to be the, the way that he left MetLife idiom. I, that plus, you know, the, the stuff with the Raiders and all that ever since he got hit by perfect, I think that career afterwards is going to be, unfortunately, the way I remember him. It's going to be one of those could have been arguably the best wide receiver to exist gone south. And that's the unfortunate circumstance in my eyes. Uh, Marshall, what do you think?
3: Yeah. So being at the game that he just retired from was a lot different than I think people seeing it on TV because I had no idea that he left the stadium until I just started looking at the sideline, and said, Hey, where's AB? And you guys, among some other people just started texting me, yo, you see the AB shit? No, I didn't. What happened? Like I'm so <laughs> mad. You didn't see that. I can't believe you
2: didn't see that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> by the way, A.B. cost me 50 bucks in the
1: consolation.
3: I lost by three points in the PPR league. So literally, <laughs> him I'm leaving sure that,
1: he, I'm sure he does not care.
3: Yeah, I don't think he cares either. But it's one of the weirder, most ridiculous things. Um, now, things that are kind of coming out Ian Rappaport reported who knows the exact story. I think a lot of this was brought about by – I don't think Bruce Arians really wanted him there, and I think Tom really pushed for him. And I'm not even blaming Tom because I would view him the same way. Like, dude, we can get Antonio Brown on our team. Like, I'm not building the culture of this, that. I'm only playing, you know, so many more years. Let's just get this guy. He can help us win right now. Um, and the thing is, I think that regardless of what Arians said, and he's he's gone, like, both directions. He's complimented A.B. He's basically <laughs> – almost acknowledged uh, in typical Arians fashion that like, he didn't really want him. Um What's coming out about him basically being injured, not really ready to go and almost being like forced to play is not an uncommon thing in football circles, but it's kind of like a no, no as a coach. So I don't know how much is that is of him, but I think that definitely changes the complexion of the whole story and like the whole backstory to it. Now he, has a way of making it look ridiculous um but what's this is still like an ongoing thing um and the thing that i'll remember most about ab is the is the mario uh whatever the day the i don't know why this sticks in my head but the dance where he basically ran at the uh, at the goalpost full speed and like jumped on it like mario jumps on the the flag at the end of the super Mario levels. <laughs> and I just like, could not believe the mindset of someone who would actually do that as a celebration. Cause that's, you know, where that hurts. Yeah. Um, and I think between that, between kicking the punter in the face, like in the middle of the game, he was just a gamer. He was, he was unique in how he played because he literally played with like, with no fear whatsoever of his body or anything. Um. And yeah, he's one of the best players that, that we've, that we've seen at the receiver position. Justin, what about you? Um, you know,
2: they, I every time I talk about Antonio Brown, there I have the same story and feeling. Was that the first year that Antonio Brown like became a thing? He was really good in that preseason. Like he was catching everything in that preseason. He looked like all of a sudden, like he was going to be, like possibly amazing. And like I was like looking, and I was just like, oh, it's preseason. This guy can't be that good. And my mom looks at me and says that guy is going to be a top five wide receiver no jokes this was wow. preseason. he had never like pl- had a good game in his life nobody knew who the heck he was and my mom just said that to me while watch while we were watching the Steelers preseason game and I just like look at her and I'm like there there's no way she like drafts him in like the last round he goes completely insane with the punt returns as Andrew mentioned I was like And from there, like, literally, my I will always know my mom as the person who found Antonio Brown. I don't care who if the Steelers drafted him or what. My mom discovered Antonio Brown.
0: That's it.
1: Ah, that's lit. That's a great story. I like that story. Cool, cool. Mama Ellis, well done. All right, Kevin.
0: Yeah, for me, um, it was always his insane talent with, I think, what Marshall just said, like, his weird celebrations, and at times, like, actions where you would almost like question like what he was thinking before he did it like i remember when he scored i think a touchdown against washington and he puts the ball down and then he just starts twerking in the end zone and that was the first time i ever saw an nfl player twerk like on national television so i was like wow that's that's different um but i think for him it's weird because the story's still ongoing with tampa but even if it's true to some degree with what arians was doing trying to play him injured He's not going to get, I think, the benefit of the doubt because of what happened in Oakland and what happened in New England and also notably what happened in Pittsburgh. Um, I think the thing, too, that I really gathered from him was how there, there are different wide receivers who you could you could say in years past, like, oh, that guy's a, a diva wide receiver. Like He's complaining he's not getting the ball enough. He's not getting more touches. What may what's made him different so far in his career is how, not to be rude, but like his actions would sometimes make no sense. Um, I remember reading the story in Pittsburgh where it was he was flipping out at his landlord over pay or something, and in the apartment building he took a sofa and he hurled it off the balcony, and it landed in front of a grandfather and his grandkid, and. I took that as like, wow, this guy seems completely unhinged. Um, So I always took it when he came to Tampa that it was only a matter of if not when he was going to blow up. Um, And I think his story might not be done, too, because not from an NFL perspective, but a life perspective. I hope he's well, and if he needs help, he gets help, because the people who could get hurt most, perhaps unintentionally, could be people in his circle. Um, I mean, this is a guy who was like live streaming arguments with his, you know, his kid's mom and the police, like in the street at his residential area. Um, he, he Instagram live, like a whole argument with cops and his, his kid's mom. So I think I would just hope that he gets help and that just, there isn't harm or danger brought to other people in his life because I I do question some of the stability like of him mentally to just, you know, not unintentionally or to hurt someone either intentionally or unintentionally.
1: Okay, the Washington football team has finally decided that in February, it seems they will have a new name. Now, we recognize that this name could have possibly been leaked, <laughs> uh, but we are going to still answer this question anyway. And if it comes out when this recording comes out, well, that's we had a good time. So, the Washington football team, the names on the table are, and I'll say with the name Washington, the Washington Admirals, the Washington Armada, the Washington Brigade, the Washington Commanders, Washington Defenders, Washington Presidents, Washington Redhawks. Washington Red Hogs, and Washington Sen- <laughs> Sentinels. Uh, here's my thing. I'll start I'll start this right. So we're going to say what our prediction is. Maybe maybe just pick which one's our favorite too. So in, in case anybody doesn't know, the Admirals is kind of the one that's been uh, leaked out that is a potential one or the likely one. Uh, in my opinion, the only cool name in this entire list is the Red Hogs. That's it. That's I, 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 maybe the Red Hawks. I think nothing else sounds remotely cool. I mean, frankly, they should just be called the blitz or something like, can't we just do something cool? But, but no, it's all kind of bogus. So uh, before this, I would have said the Red Hawks, but um, I guess it's probably the admirals, uh, but Marshall, which one of these were your favorite?
3: Did not see the leak. I was going to go with Washington generals for what I thought it would be. If I was the owner of this team, I would call them the Washington Georges because I just think it would be very humorous. Uh, there would be one guy named George in the stand or on the team, uh, and I'm sure they'd come up with some, George, George, George stand and be like, why are people chanting my name? <laughs> so that's, would, oh, that's clever. I would call it the Washington Georges.
1: <laughs> that's clever. All right, Justin, you got a name of your own or a favorite? What do you think here?
2: You know, you could have some like George of the Jungle stuff, like watch out for that tree. <laughs> and then you can see the whole Washington team – slap against the wall because you know that's what washington does most of their seasons anyway oh. uh, but you know I, I think admirals is a smart pick it sounds good it sounds admirable um uh, but, oh, well. <laughs> but you know i like washington football team at this point or you know washington football club you know we bring in some soccer vibes into this uh, exactly. the original the original football you, you know, that's the good stuff. I, I think the name's kind of stuck with me at this point, And I think some of the fans are right to have wanted it
3: to stay. And I agree, I agree with Justin. If like that, the generals, I guess, I now thinking about it, the admirals does sound probably a little better than generals. Um, But I actually have a fun, like the Washington football team sounded dumb at first. Their color scheme and just yeah, whether it's Washington Football Team, Washington Football Club, it's weirdly good. I did not expect this going in, but once it's sat for a little bit, I think they actually have like a really good aesthetic. Uh, the problem is they're not very good, um, so if they could, just... that is an aesthetic, Marshall. Come on, it's, it's an elite <laughs> throwback aesthetic. I don't it, like. I don't know why, but their defense alignment looks so good in those jerseys.
1: If they do the admirals, it better be a freaking sweet admiral as as the logo. It better be dope. Um, it's just okay, going to Ke- be the
2: helmet. It's going to be just like the Browns. <laughs> but it's it's going to be like the Browns. But it's going to have some other hidden logo. Like they're talking about how uh, – did you guys see that the Browns logo looks like a um, rabbit with a little wheelchair with a walker?
1: Uh, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, yes, I have seen that. I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Like,
2: That's definitely the intended logo of the Browns. That's actually Baker Mayfield on the (laughs) walk.
1: Yikes. We, we have, we have poured onto this guy for the past four or five weeks, uh, frankly three years. Anyway, Kevin, uh, your, your name choice here.
0: Yeah. For, for me, I got to agree with you guys. I think the Washington football team, the fact that it gives off soccer vibes, it's, it's unique in the big four major American sports, um, I think Red Hogs could potentially be a good nickname only because you had the Hogs in the 90s with the, the Redskins, then Redskins O-line when they would play the Bills in the Super Bowl. So you potentially have that. Some people might not like naming it after Hogs. Um, I don't know for me though. I think a funny one would be uh, the Washington Special Interest Group and just like name it after like, <laughs> name it after like, uh, like a, a pr- like a private special interest group that nobody knows about that just funnels like super pack money to senators where they just they use it if they're not if they're not campaigning they're using the money then to fund like illicit drug use like cocaine use or just mistresses or something. You know wow. it's
2: it's crazy that that's like actually Washington's team values and literally they'd have to change almost nothing to do that <laughs> that's like literally where they stand they're like it can't get much worse at this point so you might as well just make it public let's be honest
1: Washington took special that, interest group yes and that took a that took a nice turn all right let's do uh who will win the offensive rookie of the year I'll just I'll go with it it's Jamar Chase for me that's gonna be it I know there's other options and I know but I know that's a little bit of a front runner too but I'm loving what he's doing, as most people are. So, uh, Jamar Chase for me. Justin, what do you think?
2: I mean, if Zach Wilson would have beat Tom Brady, it would have been his. It would have been all over, you know. Um, but it, in all seriousness, I, I think Mac Jones is going to win it. Um, I think I, I will say that I might be wrong on Jamar Chase still. I'm still not really... I said this in our group chat, actually. I think Jamar Chase has the highest variable of possibility on any given week, more than any other player in the league right now. He will go from having, like, two catches in one game and then he'll have 200 yards in the other. He now has the most rookie yards in a single season without playing the 17th game. So anyone who's trying to compare if records should be different now, he set the record in 16 games. Um, And... He's just a very weird player to be. He's kind of all over the place. And I I think he's incredible. And I think um, the Bengals have now proved us all wrong for the offensive, for not having picked the offensive lineman, even though, once again, Joe Burrow is going to sit out Sunday due to an injury. Um, But all in all, I I think Mac Jones, though, is the more complete player and it's caused the bigger turnaround. I mean, you look at the Bengals and Jamar Chase does a lot for that team in terms of offense. It makes them a lot better. They win a few more games. But the Patriots, I think, was a complete 180 almost from what we would have expected. We never, I, some people did expect Patriots to be there, but me personally, I never saw the Patriots anywhere close to the playoffs this year. And the way that offense has played at a top 10 level is absolutely astounding, and completely preposterous, basically with Mac Jones. And the wide receivers that are there at the tight ends and the running back. Uh, None of those players should really work the way they are. But they're all doing so not only under Bill Belichick's running, but under Mac Jones' strong quarterback play. Um, Yeah, Mac Jones looks like a really strong guy to me. And, you know, it's a quarterback. You can't deny the quarterbacks.
1: Uh, Unfortunately, that is kind of the way it works sometimes. Kevin, your offensive rookie of the year.
0: For me, I would say Mac Jones too. Again, I agree that for New England, I thought that they would be a wild card team. I didn't see them actually challenging Buffalo like up until like the wee weeks of the season. But I think the guy who's probably going to get those Jamar Chase. Um, I think when you look at his offensive production, I think when you look at like eye test flash, um, you know, you could attribute a lot of it also to his chemistry with Joe Burrow, but I think a lot of writers go for narrative. And I think that ultimately the end of the day, the narrative is going to be that Jamar chase, not single-handedly, but through a ton of like help, but also just like his own resolve, transformed Cincinnati's offense and transformed them into a solid playoff team that could potentially go far in the playoffs. So I think ultimately he's going to win it because of stats flash um and the fact too that he could still go off in week 17 and leave a
1: strong performance marshall offensive rookie of the year
3: yeah for me it's chase um spread offense which is what the Bengals have kind of tried to do um they work if you get weapons if you get skill position players and you get a quarterback who's accurate makes a lot of decisions gets the ball out of his hands um I did not think he'd be this good as a ball winner. Um, I like Chase coming out. He was like eighth on my board. I was not one of these people who was banging the table for him. oh, my God, this guy is like a generational player. Um, I had some concerns with how good he was going to be as like a true ball winner because um, he's six feet tall. Uh, his arms aren't much longer than 30 inches. Um, and the reason he's able to do everything besides being a, an exceptional athlete is his – nervous system is just sped up relative to everyone else's. You know, when we talk about body control and everything like that, the way that he attacks the football adjusts to it. um, And even like some intuitive things, if you just look at like the angles, uh, which he jumps to like attack the ball and come back and get it. But this guy is literally, I mean, literally he is wired differently. Um, That's the reason that he's the outlier. That's the reason that the arm like thing doesn't matter for him. Um, He's always basically going to beat you to the punch. And I mean, he's absolutely exceptional. Um, and then I've got Slater at, at uh, in the second spot. I mean, he's basically been a borderline all-pro uh, as a rookie. And then I've got Mac 3. I've got Waddle 4 because I think he's absolutely just holding up uh, just a dumb, dumb offense. Um, and then Najee Harris deserves another uh, – he deserves um, a shout-out because he did not have a good offensive line, and he basically just stepped in and produced right away. Um, he's pretty much a complete running back. Um, and as the Madden folks would say, he's got Leapfrog. Uh, he already unlocked uh, Leapfrog. I don't know how he jumps so high. He just has so much spring for such a big guy, but it's really fun to watch. Yo,
2: Najee Harris in Madden is actually kind of insane. <laughs> like, I-, I don't know if you guys have fl- played with Najee Harris, but that guy is a truck to mess mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marshall, I might have missed. You. Did you say Creed Humphrey
3: at two? Is that what you said? No, <laughs> 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 you said cause Slater. No, no, I meant. Sorry, guys, I meant. Uh, I gotta redo this. Uh Creed Humphrey's actually at one. Yeah. Um, I... yeah. <laughs> Yo, he Creed was slayed, Humphrey's
2: dude. a legend. <laughs> that guy, wow. he's, the, he's the best center in the league. That man deserves props at some point.
3: Hey, man, Chris Collinsworth told me that guy's the best center in the league, and I turned him on, and he's not blocking anyone because he's on the wrong side of the slide.
1: <laughs> Okay, speaking of Jamar Chase in this conversatio, the best, the, the wide receiver who's gonna have the best career. We're we're gonna we're gonna differentiate between Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, both LSU products, both part of, in my opinion, the greatest college football team to ever exist in the history of football, and both being thrown to at one point or another by Joe Burrow and uh <clears throat> receiving the the great end of those. Receiving yards, Justin Jefferson, obviously with that crazy game against Ohio state, but nonetheless, who will have the better career? I'll start off. I do think it's going to be Jamar chase and I'm not necessarily, that doesn't really mean I'm saying Jamar chase is better than Justin Jefferson. I don't really know how I feel about that. The difference is, I think Jamar chase will be able to play with Joe Burrow for 10 years minimum. If they, if they aren't taken away from elsewhere. And I think Joe Burrow's connection with Jamar Chase and how good I really see Joe Burrow being, unless, again, the offensive line kills him before he can um, continue to play this well. I think that duo is going to be unreal. Justin Jefferson, you know, as soon as Kirk Cousins maybe uh, is is out or gets too old, I'm not really sure the situation over there. So the Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow connection is special, and it always has been. And frankly, they've never given us reason to believe that's going to stop. So that's my take. Marshall. Marshall.
3: I'm going Chase, but part of it is playing with Joe Burrow. Um, this is a lot closer when I dug into it than I thought. Um, both their stats are insane. Chase is averaging 11.5 yards a target, and I believe Jefferson over the course of his two seasons in the, in the 10 range. Uh, let me pull that up. He is 10.2 yards per target over a two-season span. Um, so Chase, more yards per target, although they're also deployed and used differently. Jamar Chase, if he continues to win balls at this rate, um, and I haven't really seen a player with his build who's he's legitimately built like a running back, he's not even that big, and he just is like the best ball winner in the league. Um, which I, I mean is is just absolutely incredible. If he keeps doing that, what he offers me is more valuable than uh than jefferson because jefferson's jefferson's phenomenal but he's used on a lot of like uh a, a lot of like over routes versus uh like cover three which is like a naturally advantageous route part of that is you know um the how the how the vikings use play action and they get 21 personnel to basically force teams to load the box and they're good enough to run outside zone so you like teams will do it a good amount and then they have Jefferson run the run these like over concepts. And then he also runs a decent amount of slot options, which I think are just like naturally hard to cover if your quarterback's like pretty accurate, but also he's like, he's good at them, which is why they do it with him. Um, But he is also a really good ball winner and basically a totally different body type. His arms are like 33 inches long. So he is just completely different build than, than Jamar chase. But I think Jamar's, just pure speed. And then the ball winning aspect are going to be, and then the, the extra like body armor that he has just because of how he's built. Um, I think is probably a better bet to say that he's going to be the, the better of the two, but it's really close.
1: Justin, your take on this one.
2: Uh, yeah. So I keep saying I'm out on Jamar chase. Like I'm not feeling great about him potentially, But I do think he's going to have the better career. I think Justin Jefferson has a much more uncertain career, like as you said, Andrew, with what quarterback play may look like. Even if Kirk Cousins does stay in Minnesota, let's say for the rest of his career, which even that seems uncertain. um, At some point, there is going to be a change in quarterback play there, and I'm not sure where the Vikings are going to find reliable quarterback play. There may be years in Justin Jefferson's career where he doesn't have a consistent quarterback that's going to get him to the 1,500 yards that we see him getting close to right now. Jamar Chase, on the other hand, is playing with a quarterback which is extremely young that's probably going to be there for a long time, and Jamar Chase is going to want to be there for a long time with him. So there's a lot more consistency that goes along with that, almost like what we saw with Andy Dalton and A.J. Green when they came out of college together. Uh, Hopefully this has a bit of a better ending to that story. But um, you never know. It's Cincinnati. Ohio is a cursed state for sure.
1: Yeah, un- un- unfortunate for <laughs> for that team. Sometimes, okay, Kevin, your take.
0: Yeah, for me, I would have. To, to me, all the signs point to Jamar Chase, but at the same time, looking at Justin Jefferson, I think what Marshall, what you were saying, like there are physical dimensions that you could argue for Jefferson over Chase, but especially from a hype perspective. But for me. I think with Jefferson, I might make the argument that he's going to get more touches also, as opposed to someone like Chase, where he's playing with Joe Mixon, he's playing with Tyler Boyd, he's playing with T Higgins, who's also looking like a very good NFL receiver in his own right. You might see an instance where, even if Jefferson, you can make an argument, isn't as talented, I think you could say that he could get more touches in the future as the focal point of Minnesota's offense because. Again, if they do rebuild, um in his early 30s, Dalvin Cook, you know, you think might be priming out at 26. And then even if they move off of Captain Kirk, I think he's still going to be there and he's going to be the focal point of that offense. So, yeah, he might not have, again, like the long developing plays to go deep because, you know, the plays can't build for that long. But on slant routes and just pure touches, even if it's intermediate or short, I think he's going to have a ton of touches that, wouldn't be there if he had maybe a, a new capable running back or other new capable receivers. If those guys are absent, I think he's going to get a, a ton of volume, like 12, 13 catches potentially a game, or just targets.
1: So right now, the Titans are in first place for the AFC. And on top of that, Derek Henry is finally coming back this weekend. Okay. The Titans, it's as simple as this. Titans win, they remain in the one seed. They lose. Uh, maybe it's not this simple. Uh, if the Chiefs win and the Titans lose, then the Chiefs would come up. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. My point is, if the Titans win, they're in. So how much does Derrick Henry help them? One, beating the Texans. I think we can all agree that that should be a good enough game. Frankly, the Texans probably don't even want to win for draft purposes. But the main question is, does Derrick Henry make the Titans more viable for a Super Bowl? I say yes. Do I think it can be done? Yes, I do. If Derrick Henry is actually at, I would say, 85% health when he's playing uh, relative to what he, I know everybody's always injured, but I mean relative to what he normally can produce, 85% is enough to win a Super Bowl for that team. And I I strongly feel that way. Not saying they're going to win, But that's my take. Uh, Kevin.
0: I think there's actually a strong chance that they could win with Derrick Henry Um, in terms of they might, you know, slowly work him in this week against the Texans. But again, I think we all expect them to beat the Texans. We'll get to predictions later, but at the end of the day, um, their offense is just so much more explosive with Derrick Henry and having that guy, that big muscular guy who can just plow through people truck linebackers into the turf aesthetically for me, it's pleasing, but also it makes so much sense when postseason football, it's so important to control time of possession. You know, like Tennessee's defense is better than what it was last year. It's much improved, but I still don't think it's a team where you can depend on say an elite passing game or, oh, we're just going to entirely lean on our defense um, Derek Henry is the engine of the offense. And if he's running, if he's carrying the ball 20, 25, 26 times a game, uh, I think that's hard for a team like Kansas city to be even. And especially too, if they're going to have home field advantage in the entire AFC, if he's back and he's a hundred percent, they might be the favorite.
1: And keeping the ball out of uh, Mahomes' Mahomes's hand is definitely helpful. Uh, Marshall, does this make them super bowl uh, contenders? So to speak,
3: I think. I think it does. Um, They've got presuming they're going to keep the one seed. um, Man, I'm done betting against the Titans. Uh, I'm not necessarily betting for them. uh, But before this season, I was just like, listen, this team doesn't have good corners. Like I I think they're overrated at certain aspects. Uh, A lot of their secondary uh, is really dependent on like their safeties getting ball production, which they have. Kevin Byard's got a bunch of picks this year. Um, They've botched their tackle picks. One of them basically just left the like left the team. Taylor Juan is just not good at football anymore. Um, and so this team was a team without tackles who was losing their offensive coordinator, losing Corey Davis, who's one of the better blocking receivers, losing their tight end. And they just, there's something characteristic about this team and teams, teams have personalities. Um, teams absolutely have personalities. And some of it is a lot that we just don't see. Um, so all of the outside reasoning for this team is they should probably lose. Um, and not win as much as they have, but they, they're just a naturally resilient team and they have a way of winning games in which like predictive statistics that would tell you, Hey, if you lose your third down percentage and you get out gained and you lose the turnover margin, you're going to lose. And then they'll freaking win the game and i lose money. So basically, <laughs> <laughs> basically I'm done betting against the Titans. Uh, I actually do think they are contenders, especially with the bye week uh, after week eighteen, if Derek, if Derek Henry can get uh, additionally healthy,
1: Justin, would you be in agreement with that, or you're saying no way, Jose?
2: You know, I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders by any means. I think whoever they play in that AFC Championship is going to be a better team than them. Um, but I do think the road there looks very hopeful for them. They have a very good shot at either being the one seed if they win, or losing, probably being the number three seed what that means for them is likely they're the 3 seed they're going to play a wild card team that isn't named buffalo which i think is probably a good matchup for tennessee and then following that they play most likely the bengal's at that point assuming the bengal's will win their game if not another lousy wild card team and i think in either of those situations tennessee wins and then otherwise they get the number 1 seed and they'll probably the bengal's will probably get the 4th seed And still play Tennessee in the second round, which I think is a good matchup for Tennessee. Um, I think their run game would do a very good job against that Bengals defense. And I am not sure if they'd be able to be as physical as Tennessee is as a team. So I think Tennessee has a good chance at making it to the AFC championship. But I think they're going to end up facing a team like the Colts or the Bills in that game. And I just, there's nowhere close in terms of talent to those two teams.
1: Now, the Chargers are in a win-or-go-home or, or tie-and-go situation this weekend with the Raiders. But we were looking at the beginning of the year as the Chargers potentially being a top three, maybe, if they're lucky, team in the AFC. They're, they're turning on the Jets. And now they're not, not so much. They've lost to the Texans. The Chiefs is a little bit understandable. Uh, the Broncos the close one against the Steelers the loss of the Vikings. So what's, what's been going on with the chargers? Who's to blame for, if you want to call this failures, uh, especially if they lose this week against the Raiders, what's the problem with the chargers? Uh, I'll start off by saying, I don't really think they have an identity. They, they follow the whole, you know, Eckler's really good. Justin Herbert's really good. Keenan Allen's really good, but you know, we'll kind of just pick who we want to use the most in a given week. I think their defense is normally pretty confused. And sometimes I just think their, their game plan is just not prepared correctly for the team that they're playing against. And uh, so that is partially on the coaching staff. And then also, I think team chemistry just may not be as high and, and as desirable as other teams. And I think the the last reason for me, they don't have fans, in my opinion. They don't have. A, let me rephrase. They don't have enough fans to get behind them in order to push them to where many other people think they can be. And I think that really is a big driving force. You know, you look at Eagles fans, Steelers fans, Bills fans. You know, you name these these franchises that are either on the come up or used to be historically amazing. Fans are a massive factor, and I think that's really starting to to hit them on the morale side. Marshall, what about you?
3: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I know a good amount of people out there, and I actually know some Chargers fans, which sometimes um, get like <laughs> response like, wow, you know Chargers fans? Yeah, I do. But there were San Diego Chargers fans. Um, they used to have a really rich fan base when they were down in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure why they made that move other than prospective money reasons, um, but there's definitely a lot of things that they didn't completely factor. And it's like a three-hour drive from, from where Qualcomm was to where they would moved which is basically like if you had a team in like Connecticut or something and you moved them to like Vermont, it's, it's not like, Oh, the fans are going to go with them. Cause you think California, but like, it's really a completely different part of California. Um, and then you're playing second fiddle to the Rams who also are in a weird situation with their fans because they weren't <laughs> they were in St. Louis. So it's, it's very weird out there. It's like they're getting good football for the most part, but I don't think they've completely like latched onto it. And a lot of, chargers fans that i know are they're either like still with the team or they're in the boat of like fuck them we basically don't care um if they're like specifically like uh like san diego centric um there's a lot of not so goodwill towards the spanos owner um which you can go pretty far back and uh definitely played a role in in uh eli manning going to the giants back in 2004. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, this is all like documented and pretty well-known, but the chargers, when I watch them, their defense seems kind of soft to me. Um, and we can go over like individual players. I don't think their linebacker plays that great. I don't think Jerry Tillery, like he's supposed to be the six, seven, uh, DeForest Buckner mold player, except here's a problem. He's like a lot worse than DeForest Buckner. And so the lows with him are that he just gets completely uprooted and you can just, you can just run a B gaps pretty damn easily. Joey Bosa seems like he's basically just like the only guy out there. And when you only have one guy and the other guy can't beat your right tackle. um, I mean, we saw, we saw like clips of him uh, getting like double triple teamed against the Ravens when they played because he's legitimately the only like front seven threat that they have on their team. um, And they don't have like Melvin Ingram opposite of him anymore. So, they need more physical players. They need guys who can rush the passer. Um, they've got a lot of pieces on their team, but I think overall overall, they're they're a little bit of like a finesse team. And then on offense, their whole philosophy is basically have Justin Herbert just throw darts, which he's absolutely amazing at doing. But that's like their only pitch. They don't have like, oh, look at what, you know, we're going to pound you with like pin pole and uh, – one back power and we're going to bring in tight ends. It's like they don't have these other pitches that they can like really resort to. And so that's why I think like Herbert is so amazing. They're asking the second year player, to just go back there to receivers who are probably like a little bit overrated. um, Not tremendously, but they don't have the guy that like Herbert can maximize. Like, if, I mean, if you put Jalen Waddle on the chargers, it would be, it'd be unbelievable what would happen. But that's part of the reason I just think Herbert is so amazing. He just goes back there And basically just plays quarterback. The only difference is he plays normal quarterback and just like reading out coverages and just ripping balls in there. But he's just like the one of the two or three most physically talented humans uh, to play a position. It's really awesome to watch. But for the overall team construct, they're like somewhat one dimensional. If that pitch doesn't work, it doesn't really work for them.
1: Justin, what's uh, what do you think the problem is with the Chargers?
3: You know, I I
2: think the identity thing that you said, Andrew, makes a lot of sense. But also, I think there is a bit of underutilization of Justin Herbert at times. Um, I think we do talk about how there is the Austin Heckler, Justin Herbert, like, contradiction of the team, where I think they make a game plan each week and they choose which one they're going to go with, the passing game or the run game. And I think that works if you do it, like, four times per year and then do the rest one. I think you need, like, a 75-25 split. The problem is, is that they are doing a 50-50 split right down the middle and they're almost alternating like every week to the point where the playbook isn't going to be consistent enough. Like they're not used to running the same plays each week. So they're going to be a run-heavy team one week. And I, and I love Austin Eckler, don't get me wrong. I think he's an elite back. Um, I, That's why I draft him in like every fantasy league I could get him. I think he's an amazing back. But there were times when Justin Herbert just looked flat Because of the fact that it was like, it didn't feel like he knew the playbook that well. I I think he's a very competent quarterback. I do think he's probably going to be a top 10 quarterback in the next season. I think he's close right now, but it's tough out there when you don't know who the star of the show is. And I'm like, I understand star power can hurt a team, hashtag Antonio Brown, but having like your set role of like, who's the guy who you want touching the ball the most and who do you want doing the most actual plays and getting the most touchdowns like you gotta decide if you want to be a run first team or a pass first team and i think this is supposed to be a pass first team so i i really think that it's a bit of this new head coach trying to find his identity of coaching we saw the same thing with nick sirianni and he found his groove it's now up to brandon staley to decide if he wants to find his groove this week and take the Chargers to the playoffs
1: Kevin, your problem with the Chargers of late, of late. So
0: I kind of have a mix of what all you guys are saying. White, I I think, yes, the fans matter to some degree. I think like a lot of times, like, I think it's got to be tough on the players if they come into the stadium every week and then they always see the opposing team's fans there. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be like Philly or it could be Seattle. Like, it seems like, like any team that has a fan base, like any substantial fan base like comes into the area and just dominates the stadium from a playing standpoint. Again, like I don't have time possession stats in front of me, but just like what I've seen, like watching the game, I actually don't think they lean on Austin Eckler enough. Sometimes. Um, I was like curious. I was like going through his stats and he's only had five games this year where he's had over like 18 rushing attempts. and He's never had over 20 rushing attempts in a game this year. I think like if they just threw him with Eckler just more straight running attempts and even just like RPO stuff, I think then you're just giving like Herbert easy stuff. And then also too, you kind of dominate time of possession because I think what you guys are saying about their defenses, right? Outside of like Joey Bosa, you know, how many stoppers do they have? You lost Melvin Ingram. Um, This year they're probably going to try to draft defensive guys. And yes, they have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen who are both good, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they're like game changing players in terms of like speed. Like, like I would say, you know, Jamar chase, like for, you know, what people would say, like his faults or like what he's good at, what he isn't his X factor, his potential is so high that he could be anything from a top five receiver in the league to, you know, like a top 40 guy. With Keenan Allen and Mike Mike Williams, you kind of like know where you are, which is like, it's good, even very good sometimes, but like you're not always great. So I think a lot of times, like even though it is a passing league, they have a physical O line. I think if they leaned on it more, it would actually be easier for the game to come to Justin Herbert. He's already so talented and he's going to be great regardless, but um, that's the only thing I would change.
1: Uh, Justin, a question for you I meant to ask you earlier. When you say most likely worst to first, I want you to elaborate on that for the squad.
2: Yeah, so when we're talking worst to first, I think at this point it's now been decided who the worst eight teams are going to be in each of the respective divisions. I'm now wondering which one of those teams is going to be winning their division next year.
1: I see. I see. Okay, well then would you like to start?
2: Yeah, sure. I, I'll i give it a whirl. I, I don't love any of these teams by far. I, I'll tell you that as a fact. <laughs> but if someone is going to win their division next year, I've got to go with the Cleveland Browns at this point. Yep. Um, I mean, maybe Baker will be there. Maybe he won't. Um. I think regardless, they'll be in a better position than they were this year because they either will have a healthy Baker Mayfield or they will have a more competent quarterback. So I think either way they come out ahead. Nick Chubb is a great rusher. Their offensive line's pretty good. I would hope that they're going to find another wide receiver somewhere in the world for that team. And I like where their defense is. So I I think the AFC North will be up for grabs for years to come. It's probably going to join the NFC East as one of those random every-year-it-changes kind of teams Uh, since the NFC East just had their first back-to-back winner in like 15 years. so my guess is that the AFC North becomes that where it's a bit of a pick or choose who you think is going to win that each year. It's going to be a tough one.
1: Uh, all right. I think the, uh, the Steelers have no shot unless they, they are able to draft one of the top three QBs until then. Steelers are probably out of that one, but yes, up for grabs. Great pick. My pick will be a little bit of a hotter take, but the New York giants for the NFC East. And here's my reason you may be, huh? Why? Well, I think their main issue is on offense, specifically the offensive line and then game plan problems, but they have two top 10 picks this year. And by God, if they just get them right or remotely right, sort of kind of right, if they just draft Linderbaum or Neal, one or the other, literally just one of the two, and then the other one, frankly, you can kind of do a bunch of different things. Um, I think they have a shot. If their wide receivers can actually stay healthy, their defense would be good enough. Uh, That's my it's it's a quasi hot take, but I kind of like them for winning next year. Cowboys, as as Justin has said, uh, can really be hit or miss given any season for some reason. Marshall.
3: So my answer is Cleveland because they technically fall into the actually going to somehow be last in their division. Um, If this team trades Baker Mayfield, they don't have the same injury luck and they get a receiver in the draft, uh, which you might not be able to get trading for a veteran quarterback. Um, But I just think if you just get a semi-functional guy, this passing offense isn't like great or anything, but the rushing offense can be so good. Um, And we really like, I mean, they're playing like Petonio at left tackle. So they weren't the previous game, but like for a long stretch they were basically had to like flex out Petonio and like, they were missing guys here, there, everywhere. Um, So it was not the same offensive line. Um, But yeah, I, I, and I think, Miles Garrett is incredible because he's the closest edge rusher I've seen to actually like blowing up quick game which is almost impossible to do um and he's the closest guy I've seen come to actually successfully do it um which is why I like him so much my second answer out of all these teams that suck um I kind of like what the Jets are doing but I can't pick them because of the the Buffalo and just New England being in their division. So I think it's actually very unlikely. The actual other answer is the Houston Texans. And there's a lot of issues on this team. But between the division that they play in and just kind of how I've seen them like play this year. Now, there is major, major issues with this franchise internally. Uh, I mean, follow, follow anyone who covers. There's like a beat reporter for this team. Uh, there are very clear issues with this team, but from on the field, I think this team is actually like pretty resilient um, and a tiny bit underrated uh, that said still very, very low outside probability.
1: All right. Now, Kevin, your team from the bottom to the top.
3: One team that I think
0: deserves some mention, and it really hinges though, on one trade um, alternate, like where does Aaron Rodgers go? Like, We talked about, I think, in the group chat, like, hey, you go to the Steelers. Hey, you could go to the Browns. The Broncos, man, John Elway already has a history with Peyton Manning of trying to get veteran QBs that are towards the end of their prime and then putting them in a winning situation. This is a 7-9 and Broncos team, but good young receiving core. You got Bradley Chubb. You got Justin Simmons at safety. I think that potentially if they – big if – But if they manage to swing Aaron Rodgers, um, I think you can see the Broncos as like a sleeper team to be in first place.
1: The college football national championship will be on Monday, the 10th at 8 p.m. It's finally here. And it is a rematch of not only the SEC championship several times, including this year, but the 2017 national championship. Of course, uh, I will have to see the, you know, the classic final Hail Mary play from Alabama from 2017, as if nobody else has seen that before. They'll play that about 30 times in the next week uh, and some. But who do we think actually wins the finals? And this is the first time I'm going to say it. I normally don't, and it's going to be a jinx, but I genuinely believe Georgia's going to win the championship this time around. I've had my, my qualms with them in the past. Uh, I've, I've given them long shots before and since then have not given them long shots because they've proved me wrong uh 41 years i think the drought ends this year we'll see uh i think defense for sure even if they lose defense is not playing like they played in the sec championship that's for damn sure they're they're very embarrassed and they proved that in the michigan game uh marshall yeah
3: i'm on this georgia team i thought they'd smack around michigan and they didn't i think they're going to finish this out um i know you're not supposed to bet against saving coach teams but i'm telling you this bama team doesn't have the same bite that it did last year or the year before it's obviously really high level because it's Bama, but it's not this absolute freaking machine that it was the past few years. I, I noticed a difference with it. And I think Georgia's – I I don't think Stetson Bennett's going to have to throw nearly as much, and I think they're going to manage this game. So I, I am definitely on Georgia for this game.
1: All right, Kevin, how about yourself?
3: Andrew White, I would say that
0: you've normally – I well – yeah, I would say normally you've chosen death, but in this case, um, with John Mechie being out, and I want to believe in Bryce Young, and I think he's super talented, and I think he's going to be really good when he gets drafted, depending on where he goes. I'm going to say the Georgia Bulldogs win this game, man. Um, and, but it hinges again. Can Stetson Bennett just play okay? And what I mean by okay is, can he just pass for over 200 yards and not throw any picks? If he does that well, Georgia wins this game because they're the more healthy team. I think they have better receiving talent. I think they have better running back talent, even though Robinson, I think, is a good running back for Alabama. Um, The biggest problem, though, is the quarterback play. If they had a better quarterback that sets in pennant, I would say without a doubt, but Stetson Bennett just has to play okay, so then you might be safe. But if he plays even slightly subpar, then Bama wins. But I have him playing just okay, so again, Georgia wins. But if you don't win, it's probably Stetson Bennett's fault.
1: That's a very fair take, Justin. Finish this off here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't go with go against the team that's already beat them once. I'm going with Alabama you know it's the same story all over again but i can't deny the team that already kind of handed it to UGA the first time around so i expect a similar story this time
1: absolutely certainly did okay hot I a quick, take oh yeah I a quick announcement it. yeah okay. on
3: ebay there's a stetson bennett signed photograph 8 by 10 it is an autographed stetson bennett picture of him looking like he's doing something athletic um if Georgia wins, I will buy this and drop your predictions right here. How many passing yards does Stetson Bennett have? The winner, I will send this picture to them.
1: Wow! Wow! Look at that! Look at to us or or, or the you. yes to you. Uh, oh, the fans! <laughs> how many how many passing yards will Stetson Bennett have? Is that the question? Yes. yes.
0: To be fair to Stetson Bennett, I will say this though: that last game they had against Michigan was probably his best game of the year.
1: He played very well. He did. Uh, okay, I'll uh, I'll do it. I I I still don't believe uh, Alabama has a good defense. I'm gonna give him 321 yards. 250 of them will be Brock Bowers. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> Justin, Justin, you you pick it. Man, I I don't know
2: if I've watched enough UGA football to do this, but I'm gonna say it's gonna be a tough go. Give me a two.
1: 48 248. All right, Kevin. Oh, I want
0: to go like 211 or something, like just barely gets over 200 yards, but I'm going to say for you white, I'm going to say like 232.
1: 232. All right, Marshall, what's yours? Can you give it to yourself? 251. 251. Wait, if I go over, do
3: I lose? No, if you go over, if it goes over your amount, you automatically win. So you have all the real estate above. Uh, oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah. Yes. 232 was...
1: Kevin. Oh, yeah, man.
3: So if it goes lower than that, Kev gets that. And anything between 230, whatever... So whatever the split, the difference is, um, this whole middle territory, Justin has.
1: I see. Got it, got it, got it. All right. Sounds good. Now our hot take of week 18. This can be any sport. Doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm not going to, I was going to say the tie between the Raiders and the chargers for fun, Um, but (laughs) that's uh, i I'm pretty sure if they tie, it would actually be, there'd be a lawsuit of some sort. There'd be a lot of uh, investigation. Uh, Okay. The Steelers quit. They want a better draft situation and they lose to the Ravens by 35 points. That's my hot take. Uh, Marshall?
3: My hot take isn't even that hot. It's the Raiders upset uh, the Chargers. Only three-point underdogs.
1: All righty. Justin, hot take. The
2: Raiders are going to be a playoff team, and that is scary
1: for me to even imagine. (laughs) All right. Justin is scared and rightfully so. Kevin, your hot take.
0: You know, with the Green Bay Packers locking up that one seed, that means in all likelihood we'll see potentially a seed tankathon thon in terms of Green Bay resting starters. So I got the Detroit Lions one last time winning this week to close out the year, spreading good vibes Detroit, going into the draft strong. The five-year plan commences now. There will be a strong union in place here in Detroit.
1: Love it. Okay. And finally, the, <laughs> the week 18 predictions. Let's run right through it. Quick takes. Justin, for starters, though, will give us the standings going into the final week, although I believe we're going to uh, still count playoffs towards our records. What do we think?
2: Sure. We can have regular season and add the playoffs on and have
1: like an overall too. I think that's fair. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Justin, uh, let, it, let it rip.
2: Yeah, so this past week, both the Andrews and Justin all went 13 and three Mm -hmm. with our picks this past week. Kev brought up the rear at 11 and five, strengthening his distance from Marshall as far as possible, (laughs) trying to get away from his stank smell. So at this point, Marshall is still 164 and 92. I'm in second, two games back at 162 and 94. Andrew is six games back from Marshall at 158 and 98, and Kev is 13 games back. He's gonna pick every game opposite of Marshall this week to beat him at 151
1: <laughs> and 105. Hey man, sometimes maybe don't even uh, go after first. Just keep your record strong. We've been we've been pushing well. Good record. I'm try to get them all wrong. We could do double go value.
3: We could do double value
1: in the playoffs.
3: Oh, I dig. I dig. Oh, yeah, double triple value triple in the value. playoffs.
1: All right, here we go. Let's get after it. Quick, quick, rapid fire. Chiefs, Broncos. I got Chiefs trying to get that one seed. Marshall? I'm on the Chiefs. Uh, Kevin?
0: I got Chiefs, too. They've won 12 straight games against Denver.
1: Justin, good stuff. I got to take the Kansas City Chiefs here. Cowboys, Eagles. Da-da-da. Eagles riding down. I'm giving it to them. Marshall?
3: I'm picking the Cowboys, but I think the Eagles cover. Uh, Kevin? I got Cowboys here, too.
2: Jelly. A Baker's dozen Eagles players went on COVID list the other day, but they could all still come back on Saturday. I, I'm going to take Philly in this one. I don't think Dallas's players are going to play the whole game.
1: Steelers, Ooh. Ravens. I genuinely believe the Steelers want a pick better than number 15, so they're going to lose. Ravens. Marshall. Ravens. Kevin.
3: A highly
0: emotional game big emotional rebound. I have the Ravens winning this game, perhaps emphatically.
1: Uh, Kevin J- whoa, Sorry, Justin. <laughs>
2: yeah. This is the battle of uh, which team thinks there's a better shot that the Jags are going to beat the Colts. Uh, True. I think Baltimore is the more gullible team. I'm going to go with Baltimore. <laughs>
1: um, Bengals versus Browns. Bengals by uh, ah, See, No, is probably not playing, but the Browns, I really think the Browns are brutal. Uh I think Bengals, actually, still. Marshall?
3: I also think the Bengals, even though they're six-point dogs. Actually, yeah, so I guess this is my
1: upset of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin?
2: Yeah, wait, I,
0: I think I have the Bengals winning, too. I got them by, I'm going to say seven.
1: All righty, Justin.
2: You all don't know. You all don't remember Brandon Allen's performance last season. Give oh, me, give me wow. Cleveland. <laughs>
1: Damn. Oh, listen, listen. Okay. All I know is Baker Mayfield's not good either, and for and some he's reason, not playing either. I gotta switch this because
3: Baker's not true. playing. I just remembered how terrible Brandon Allen was.
1: <laughs> well, the Browns hate Nick Chubb too, so we'll see. <laughs> all right, so we're, so going, on, we're going Browns on, so we'll go on this. Around. Yeah, I
3: just remembered how awful this guy is.
2: Yeah, Browns three two for sure. This is definitely the safety
1: game. <laughs> I still got Bengals. Still got Bengals. Okay, um, Packers Lions. Uh, <laughs> Uh, honestly, no, the Lions don't want to win. Packers for me, Marshall.
3: Ooh. For only a four point underdog. Are the Packers trying to win this game?
1: No, no, but I don't think the Lions are either. So, they're <laughs> damn, this
3: is tough. I'm still going the Packers. I uh, there's some there's something weird about this game, though.
1: All right, Kevin. I'm going
3: to go
0: Lions here. Try, I'm trying to go for more distance between me and Marshall, but we'll see what happens.
2: All um, right. Hopefully. Justin. Whitey, you want with the – who'd you go with, Whitey? No, the Packers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate Jordan Love. I'm going with Detroit. Yeah, yeah it let's I go. get it.
1: I get it. Uh, all right, Bears, Vikings. Both teams kind of choked towards the end of the year. Uh. Vikings still for me. Marshall. Bears. Kevin.
0: It's at home, and Minnesota's won two of the last three games against Chai, so I'm going to go Vikings over Bears here.
1: Uh, Justin.
2: This might be the last game for both these coaches on their respective squads.
0: True.
2: I think Minnesota's Mike Zimmer has a bit more to fight for, so I'm going to take Minnesota here.
1: The Washington Admirals versus the Giants. Uh, I think the Giants have been playing Mike Lennon to try to compete with the Jaguars for like the worst franchise in a, in one year. Uh, so Washington Ad- Admirals for me. I mean, Mike, do Le- you ever wonder like how he is even given like a Wendy's four for four as a salary? I I, I genuinely I unbelievable. Anyway, Marshall, you go.
3: If these the Giants are so bad. It's it's really sad to see. I think this is like pretty close to a lock for Washington. (laughs) That's bad, man. All right. Uh, Kevin, who wins?
0: Uh, This is for me. This is not only the lock of the week. This might be the lock of the year, honestly, at this point. I mean, that's more about my stance with the Giants, but I'm going to take the Washington special interest group over the New York Giants here. I'm going to say by 14.
2: All right, Justin. I missed it. Marshall. Who did you take for this one? Sorry. I took for wa- I took uh, Washington. <sighs> yeah, Mike Glennon is not playing this week. It sounds like.
1: Oh right. Well. Uh, ooh, That's what they always say, yeah. and then he finds his way in the game. So.
0: Oh, they'll put him in. Like he could be missing both arms, and they'll put him in the game. he would be yeah. better off.
2: You know what, Jake Fromm, first career win right here. Washington goes out on a loss. The name is Burn out of existence and Jake Fromm figures it out and he'll be on the roster next season the ruin the giants next time Daniel Jones gets hurt.
1: <laughs> uh Colts Jaguars genuinely don't believe the, the Colts are gonna lose this at all. Actually this is my lock of the week. Colts Marshall Colts Kevin oh yeah Colts Justin
2: and I really want to say the Jags but it, it's gotta be the Colts.
1: Uh Titans Texans Titans want it more than the Texans. Titans for me. Marshall. Titans. Kevin. Say Titans by seven. Justin.
0: Uh, If
2: Derrick Henry plays in this game, which I don't know if he will, it would be Titans. But, you know, he's probably not going to play. Give me Houston
1: at home. All right. Ruins the Tennessee number one seed bid. Okay. All right. All right. Saints, Falcons. Saints want it. Give me the Saints. Uh, Marshall. Saints. Kevin.
0: We go Saints here. Raging Cajun. Saints win.
1: Justin. This is an important
2: game for me because whoever wins this game will have a regular season game with the Eagles next season. Mm. I really want it to be the Falcons, so I'm picking the Falcons here in hopes. (laughs) All right. Jets, Bills.
1: Give me the Bills. Marshall.
3: Yeah, we can't lose to the Jets. Uh they emptied the tank last week, so Bills and recovering. Kevin.
1: It's
0: at home
3: Bills Mafia.
1: Justin. Yeah, no doubt our Bills. 49ers Rams could be a really interesting game, but I like the Rams in this one. Rams, Marshall. Rams. Kevin.
0: San Francisco won five straight against the Rams, but I still like the Rams at home. There's a lot to play for. It's still in the playoffs. So I think they win this game.
2: Justin. Yeah, i am taking the Rams. It's a great game, but definitely Rams still.
1: Patriots, Dolphins. I think the Dolphins screw up a lot of momentum for the Patriots. Dolphins. Marshall. I know they've struggled
3: in Miami. I'm still going to New England.
1: Uh Kevin.
0: Oh damn, this is a it's actually a sleeper game here. Um yeah, I'm gonna go Patriots on the road, but narrowly, probably by like three
2: or something. Justin. I'm with you, Whitey. Let's let's ride the dolphins <laughs> this week.
1: Let's ride them, maybe waddle, waddle. Uh no. Okay. Um the the Ocean Birds versus the Cardinals. Uh the Cardinals will pull this out. Slimly, though. Slimly, Marshall. I'm on the Cardinals winning. I'm
3: definitely on the Seattle spread. I think they're going to battle this one. Kevin.
0: Yeah, I have the Cardinals winning, but I think it's going to be close here.
1: Jelly. I'm uh, going with the cards for this. The Blue Cats versus the Buccaneers. Oh man, I every time, never mind. Buccaneers. Marshall. <laughs> yeah, the Carolina's really disappointed me this year.
3: Um If this game was at Carolina, maybe, but nah, we're going Tampa.
1: All right, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to go Tampa. It's just weird. Like, it it feels like I'm looking at the records, five and 11 and 12 and four. It feels like the season should already be over with the records, but I don't know. It's just weird.
1: Uh, Justin.
2: Poor Carolina, poor Matt Rule. Hopefully he doesn't get fired. He deserves another shot. And he also signed like a seven-year contract. So uh, (laughs) give me Tampa.
1: And to finish us off, uh, the 8:20 game, the game of the season, frankly. Chargers, Raiders, tie your both in, Winner go home. Honestly, I think the Chargers ruin the Raiders' day. And the Chargers will be the team with the least amount of fans going into the playoffs. Chargers win. Marshall?
3: I'm going Raiders in this one. Kevin?
0: Oh, man. Um... I don't, geez. I'm going to go Raiders because it's at home, but I'm not confident in that.
1: And the home setting will be lit for sure, for sure. Justin.
2: Yeah, at this point, I got to give it to the Raiders. They definitely have the upper hand at this match.
1: That wraps up our show. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Kevin Slattery, Andrew Marshall, and Justin Ellis. This is me signing off. Say it's a great day to be alive. Go, dogs. And Marshall is going to own a Stetson Bennett thing pretty soon.
2: Go Birds!
0: Welcome to the playoffs, baby! Go Mints! Got a good win against the Pacers, but also, I just want to say, too, like, shout-out to the New York fan base, because after Joe Judge said the Giants won a clown organization, all the New York Giants fans went on Twitter and just started Photoshopping clown guard on people in the Giants organization, so... New York fans are just just complete clowns in terms of like in a good way just funny people so shout out New York fan base. Stay funny, stay out there, stay live.